Every year in Oregon and across the country, a shocking number of children are abused. It's a problem that thrives in secrecy. And advocates say, we're not talking about it enough. So what can we do to stop it and keep kids safe? Today, we'll hear from Becky Jones, the executive director of the Oregon Network of Child Abuse Intervention Centers, and Ted Davis, the CEO of Airstream Adventures Northwest, which is teaming up with the nonprofit to help fight abuse. From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. It's society's dirty secret, a devastating problem no one wants to talk about, but one that has lasting consequences and often is connected to many other issues communities face, including alcohol and drug addiction, incarceration, homelessness, even suicide. And its impact can ripple through generations. This week on Straight Talk, we bring that secret into the open. Let's shine a light on child abuse. There are 34 confirmed victims of abuse each day in Oregon. The Centers for Disease Control estimates one in seven children has experienced abuse or neglect in the last year. That's over 120,000 of Oregon's kids. At in a unique partnership, Adventures, the nonprofit Oregon Network of Child Abuse families, Intervention Centers is teaming up with Airstream Adventures Northwest to bring the subject of child abuse out of the shadows and to fund solutions with the goal to make Oregon the safest place in America for children by 2030. Joining us to explain how they'll do that, welcome to my guests, Becky Jones, the executive director of the Oregon Network of Child Abuse Intervention Centers. They have child advocacy centers throughout the state. And Ted Davis, the CEO of Airstream Adventures Northwest. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's a pleasure to have you here to talk about this critical issue. Thank, Thank you. you. So let's talk about child abuse in mm -hmm. Oregon. What do you want people to know about it? Why does it deserve more attention than it's getting? We'll begin with Becky. Yeah, this is the best question. So child abuse is happening everywhere in every community. And what we need to know is that it's not other people's kids. We have this tendency to think that it's just something else somewhere else in a place that's not our own home, not our own neighborhood, not our own family. And what that does, it actually discourages children to speak up when something has happened to them. And it has all these impacts across the lifespan that create <clears throat> Uh, a much harder time for uh, us as Oregonians to be prosperous and to have um, a future we can look forward to. Um, so I really believe that if we concentrate on our children, we will see uh, so many rewards for that in the future. And Ted, why? Why should people care about this issue? Well, I think most people have the same belief that every child should have the right, just not the privilege, to a childhood full of memories and adventures that are fantastic. And I think it's society's responsibility, our responsibility as corporate partners, private, nonprofit, and citizens in Oregon to ensure that we deliver and protect that right for every single child. It's common sense mm -hmm. that seems to be missing these days. You're the owner and the founder of Airstream Adventures Northwest. Why are you so passionate about this and why did you team up with Becky and the Child Advocacy Centers? Well. Our, our product represents uh, a promise of memory and adventures for our guests. And when I first got involved with uh, and became aware of child abuse, it was through one of the local centers, Children's Center of Clackamas County. And I became aware of the synergy between what we do day to day with the adults in our world, helping them create memories and adventures, and how we could leverage this to help 
bring awareness to child abuse so that we could ensure that every child has an opportunity and is delivered a, just a great childhood of memories and adventures. And we have a clip of a spot about that partnership with Airstream and with your organization. Becky, let's listen to that and then we'll talk about it. At Airstream Adventures, we believe in giving families joyful memories that last a lifetime. That's why we support the Children's Advocacy Centers in Oregon, who work with their communities to end child abuse through prevention, assessment, and healing services. Because we believe that all kids deserve a childhood full of adventure, discovery, and great memories. So Becky, what does this partnership mean to you and the children of Oregon? I mean, it's unbelievable. Honestly, in a word, it's like magic. Um, I think when you're working in a nonprofit field, any field, but especially child abuse, you feel like you're alone. Um, you feel like you've tried to alert people that this is a huge issue and that no one will listen because it's so hard to talk about. And, you know, often I think we put uh, child well-being on nonprofits like our children's advocacy centers and on um, the child welfare system. And we don't ask, you know, who's going to be involved in solving this issue and who do we need? And I think um, Ted's a perfect example of that. You know, I have someone who matches my passion, uh, which is incredibly hard to find. Um, it's not his day job to intervene in child abuse, but he is, uh, he, he puts 110% into this issue. And I really believe that he's, you know, part of the key for getting this out um, outside of just our centers and just our families we serve and into the greater public uh, knowledge base because it will make a huge difference for our issue. How involved are you? You're putting your money where your mouth is. I, I saw <laughs> that you've put up a quarter of a million dollars into child abuse prevention. Well, I'm involved on multiple levels. You know, in the nonprofit world, they talk about time, talent, and treasure. And over the years, I've been able to give a little of both. Um, but I want to set an example of what other individuals and corporations and partners can do when we come together to create this commonality that, as Oregonians, with all the division that we have these days, this is the one thing that can be our sacred ground, our common ground that we can all talk about, we can all agree on, is that our children should come first. Um, so when I have time, I invest my time. When I don't have time, I'll invest the treasure uh, and occasionally some talent if I can uh, provide some advice or guidance. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about what the child advocacy centers are. We have a, a clip from a video that you provided mm -hmm. that tells us a little bit more about the centers and what they mean for Oregon. Let's listen. I was keeping a secret. Something bad happened after school. I was scared to tell my mom because I thought she would say it was my fault. After I told her what happened, she said I was brave. Now we're going to visit a safe place where we can talk about it. The reason that child abuse intervention centers exist is it's trying to centralize services for kids. So when kids go through these traumatic events, rather than having to have them go to a bunch of different places, it's having the community come to them to serve them in one central location by only having to tell their story a minimal amount of times in a supportive place, then they're not having to go through reliving things with different people. To see the difference of a kid when they first go in and are kind of nervous and scared, um, and then they come out and they're like carrying themselves different, they've got a smile on their face, you can just see like all that weight lifted off. I consider myself pretty lucky that I get to be a part of that. 
And here are some statistics about the child advocacy centers and how they help. Children's advocacy centers provide intervention services for nearly 8,000 children per year. The centers provide child sexual abuse prevention training to 16,000 children and adults every year. Oregon's over 20 centers serve residents in all 36 counties in Oregon with developing centers in Baker, Tillamook, Wallawa, and Warm Springs. So let's talk a little bit more about the Children Advocacy Centers, what they do for Oregon, and, and how we're better off with them than without them. And we have a graphic that mm -hmm. illustrates this, Becky. If you could tell us about what this graphic means, especially yeah. for our listeners on podcast, what we're looking at here. Sure, so on the graphic we have on the left side um, a, a parent and a child um, who is needing to go to a lot of different um, appointments to have their needs met after a child has uh, gained the courage to um, talk about what has happened to them. And that's really why Children's Advocacy Centers existed. For a long time, kids were having to tell their parents, go to emergency rooms, tell the emergency room physician, um, if the police or child welfare were involved, tell them, um, then maybe tell their own pediatrician, their mental health provider. And what we really saw in the field is that it's never okay for a child to have to relive some of the most horrific things that have happened to them over and over and over again so that we as professionals can keep them safe. So we really created Children's Advocacy Centers with the idea that if a child needs support and needs help, we're going to, do, um, we're going to help them and do no harm to them. So children really come to this center and they um, are able to tell the story that happened to them and they're able to and they're able to um, have the story be recorded so that uh, the child welfare worker or the police officer who comes can see the recording rather than needing for that child to relive that horrific experience. And we have a map that shows locations. You have locations Absolutely, all everywhere. over the state. They're yeah. under different names though, right? Yeah, so that's one thing um, we're, we're kind of working on is just getting our, our branding and how we refer to ourselves together. Um, we're currently called Children's Advocacy Centers. It will stay that way. And we have folks who are dedicating their lives in you know, Gold Beach, um, La Grande, uh, Ontario, Oregon, um, right here in Portland. Um, and you know, we serve, an important distinction is we, we serve our communities. Um, we don't just serve children involved in foster care. If, if your child um, or yourself have a reason to believe that a child's uh, been harmed, that we're available to you. I mentioned earlier about the long-lasting effects and consequences that child abuse can have and how it can be connected to so many other issues. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of relevant studies in Oregon that really back that up. The first one, the Life Experiences Study by the Center for Outcomes Research and Education, or CORE, surveyed 2,500 Medicaid enrollees in Portland and the metro area. Of those surveyed, over half experienced verbal, physical, or sexual abuse in childhood. 77.8% had family incomes less than $20,000. One in three experienced homelessness as adults, and three in four had trouble finding or keeping stable work. A second study at Coffee Creek Correctional Facility in Wilsonville found that of the 66 female inmates surveyed, 68% said they were physically abused as children, 82% were emotionally abused, 75% said they were sexually abused as children. Now, Ted, I know you feel strongly about the connection that all of these things can have in society. Where do you think the state should be investing its money when it comes to these problems? Well, <clears throat> Laurel, I don't think it's just the state. And the reason is because this is a societal problem that we all have an obligation 
to solve. And if we leave it up to just the state, or leave it up just to nonprofits, or leave it up just to corporations or businesses, or hope that individuals will come together, we're never going to solve this problem. It has to be a unifying approach from all constituents that have the resources to address this problem from all angles. So we need a lot of help, but there are areas where, mm -hmm. Becky, you feel the state could do more, where the state may be falling short. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple of those we'll show here, and, and we'll talk about some others. The first one being children are mandated to have access to medical services for some concerns of physical abuse in Oregon. However, state investment makes up only 17% of the Child Advocacy Center budgets. Would you elaborate on that for us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we are a community resource. We need to keep kids safe. Um, the law behind this is Carly's law. It's basically to ensure that um, poor Carly Sheehan passed away. Um, I believe it's almost 15 years ago. Uh, and it was to ensure that children like her weren't falling through the cracks because uh, medical providers who didn't have expertise were missing things in diagnosis. So our states have to be, or our centers have to be open. Um, and they have to serve these cases. And 17% is not enough. It's actually laughable. Um, and many of our centers are located in areas that are very resource poor. And so their, you know, measly $40,000 from the state is not going to sustain um, a good response for children. And in that case, children are still presenting at police stations, ER departments, um, and receiving that harmful care. Other examples, the advocacy centers provide child abuse prevention training mm -hmm. in their communities. They're not funded by the state. Foster children are mandated access to a court-appointed special advocate or CASA. However, less than half of foster children receive services from a mm -hmm. CASA, so other areas where yeah. the state could help. Yeah, and I don't think everyone knows that our centers provide so much prevention, but Coos County, Deschutes County, and right close to us here in, in Clackamas County, 5% of the adults have been trained through centers providing prevention services funded by the Ford Family Foundation. So I do believe that if we really want to get serious about um, decreasing the burden on all these other uh, issues that we're facing, we need to get serious about prevention um, from the state. And the other areas are just uh, horrendous. You know, children who have been removed at no fault of their own and they need a CASA, they need to have a CASA, they're mandated to have a CASA. And if they need life skills to be able to get into that adult workforce and be successful, we need to provide them. You know, uh, roughly half of those kids who are eligible for life skills, get those services, and uh, it's it's not acceptable, frankly. And there's something called Aaron's Law. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this is one of the most exciting things that we can be doing, and it's providing sexual abuse prevention education in our K to 12, or K kindergarten, sorry, <laughs> acronym, kindergarten to 12 um, grade students. And it is absolutely fundamental teaching kids about things like consent. Um, my nine-year-old came home and asked me to ask him to give him a hug. And I, I was like, thank you, Aaron's Law. <laughs> um, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful resource for us. Um, and, you know, the state right now is funding uh, 0.5 of a position to help implement that law in 200 school districts across the state. So it is it's incredibly important that we get serious about preventing this. Um, we need to care about our future in this way. And Ted, you have a, a big goal that you have stated that you want to make Oregon, the safest place in America for children by 2030. Tell me more about that, how you plan to get to that goal. Well, that goal is designed to, again, give everyone in Oregon an opportunity to get behind something that really matters. You know, child abuse is, it's the children are invisible, the children are voiceless, and it's an ugly, ugly thing. Y you look at 
the 2030 goal and the way that's going to happen is through people like Becky, through all the centers, all the agencies. It's going to take our politicians, both here in Oregon and back in Washington. It's going to take corporations, private citizens, everybody to come together and believe that we can make this the safest place for kids to live by 2030. And you want Oregon to be a role model mm -hmm. for the rest of the country. I do. I, do. I want Oregon to be that, that. I want Oregon pride. I want us to be able to say we are the safest place for kids to live and create this as a model that other states can adopt and those things other states are doing that are fantastic but if we don't set the goal and have a target we have no idea what we're aiming for and our kids can't wait they can't wait for 2040 2050 2060 if we don't do it now then when will we and who will do it to talk about so people can uh, familiarize themselves with the signs of child abuse and we mm -hmm. have those to show people at home uh, I'll let you know for the podcast unexplained injuries changes in behavior returning to earlier behaviors like thumb sucking bedwetting fear of going home or to a particular place changes in eating changes in sleeping changes in school performance lack of personal care or hygiene risk-taking behaviors inappropriate sexual behaviors. Becky, what happens once there is a report of possible abuse? What happens at the centers? Yeah, so we are typically notified through either the police or through child welfare. And what we then do is we schedule an appointment. And if it's an urgent appointment, we have appointments that are available that same day where kids can come in. Um, and then we really start that process of really listening to that child and hearing what that child has to tell us and the medical exam, uh, family advocacy, therapy, um, things like that, so that that kid can, uh, you know, hopefully be protected if needed and that family can be supported if that family is safe um, for the child. Let's talk about some of the things you want Oregonians to know that yeah. they need to know about child abuse and one of the things is there is no stereotypical abuser. Mm -hmm. Abusers can be from all economic education and cultural backgrounds and we we learned that really from the Oregonian investigation Absolutely. that was out recently, got a lot of attention that revealed that the CEO, the former CEO, the late founder of Mercy Corps mm -hmm. had abused his daughter for years and, and nobody believed her and she was pressured into silence. What do we learn from that story? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that we want to say on behalf of our kids who are being served today um, in our centers and our centers is we really want to thank her for her bravery. It has opened so many people's eyes to this issue. And I think what people need to know is it's happening right now. Um, that same exact story is being played out right now. And if centers aren't funded, it's being played out in the same way, you know, where it's being told to uh, in an emergency room or um, maybe folks don't know what to do when they hear or they know of abuse. Um, so I think we've learned that uh, inappropriate response, harmful response can really impact people throughout their lifespan and it, it creates so much hardship when they've already lost power and control in their own lives and now they're seeking help and protection from folks in their community and the community is letting them down. So. Um, we've learned a lot, and I hope uh, folks are focused now on what they can do um, and, you know, um, how they can help children who are experiencing this exact thing. Our goal is that in 20 years we don't have stories like this. And it can happen anywhere. We were talking about all economic backgrounds. You might Absolutely. not have expected that to happen with Absolutely. a Mercy Corps founder. Also, you've told me perpetrators manipulate. 
mm -hmm. the adults around children in order to gain access to the children. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's there are so many things you can do just to keep your kids safe. Know who they're around, know the adults they're around, know that if they're at a sleepover, there may be adults that you don't know who are around, you know? So there are things that we can learn, and our centers provide that prevention training for people, and we encourage them to take that training, because a lot of this is very preventable, just preventing that one-on-one -on -one interaction with an adult that may be harmful. Other points, abuse thrives in secrecy. Yeah. If you see or think something, report it. You do mm -hmm. not need to be sure or be an expert. Do you want Absolutely. to comment on that? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, because I'm in this, the nature of being in this field is I have friends who reach out when they're concerned all the time. And I think that if you ask an average Oregonian, they don't really know what abuse looks like. They may be nervous about something, but a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm too hesitant to report, or um, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, or will a child get removed? And, you know, I'm here to say you don't need to be an expert, right? There are experts who can do that work. Um, and, you know, you just need to alert because sometimes people say, you know, what if I'm wrong? And they should be asking, well, what if I'm right? You know, what if this is happening? Um, it's, it's worth the call always. Ted, we've sensed that you are so committed to this issue. What do you want to say to other companies, individuals about committing to this as well? Well, I'm really passionate about this for a multitude of reasons. Um, you know, I'd said earlier that children are voiceless and child abuse is invisible. But yet, we actually see it all around us, Laurel. We see it on the streets of Portland when we see the homelessness, the drug abuse, uh, alcohol abuse. We see dropout rates, incarceration. Uh, the, the effects of child abuse, as we talked about, just lingers for a lifetime. And the cost on society is phenomenal. So for a business, when you're looking at recruiting people to the state of Oregon, one of the greatest recruitment tools I could think of is to be able to have candidates know and future employees know that you're coming to bring your family to work in the safest place for your kids in the state of Oregon. The um, ROI for taxpayers, that if we can prevent and reduce child abuse, the cost of solving and curing adults is so much more expensive. We can reduce the burden on so many strapped um, nonprofits right now that can barely provide services that they can. Uh, and ultimately, it's, it comes down to one, organ pride. I don't think there's a single Oregonian that wouldn't want to work towards a goal that says, look, we care about our kids more than anything else, and we're going to put our children first before we put any other thing that is important. Mm -hmm. But if it's children first, and then finally, it's about the children. You know, they, they cannot wait for that next generation. If we can save a child today, we're saving an adult 10, 20, 30 years later. So it's, it's kind of a double annuity on your investment. Mm -hmm. Just a short time left, yeah. about 20, 30 seconds. What do you want to say to people, Becky, about why they should get involved? How can they get involved? What do you want them to do? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, do nothing else, I think advocating with your local legislator is super important. If you go online, search them up, see their email, write a little note to them. You want children's advocacy centers to be funded. You want children in foster care to get those services they need. CC me. <laughs> CC me on the email because I want to see what, where, where our communities that are most engaged about this topic are in Oregon. We have 36 counties, and I want to see, um, yeah, who can, who can do that work. And I think uh, secondarily, you know, donate locally. Um, our centers are providing intensive, costly medical services. Donate locally. Uh, donate to a fun city on our map um, outside of the Portland area. 
um, donate statewide to us. Thank, Thank you, you both for joining us here on Straight Talk. One more time, here's that QR code so you can download the podcast. Also let you know the hotline number is 855-503-SAFE if you want to report abuse. Thanks for watching Straight Talk. We'll see you next week.